On the Way Home is proudly supported by Ellis Dong Community Builders, a group formed within the Ellis Dong group of companies to assist those who wish to deliver affordable and sustainable housing by providing development management services and leveraging Ellis Dong's turnkey cradle-to-grave project capabilities. We incorporate all that a world-leading development, construction, and building services company has to offer to provide innovative and sustainable developments that connect and energize communities. Our offering is not simply a development and construction solution. It's a holistic and comprehensive approach that ensures the delivery of assets that communities can be proud of. To learn more, please visit www.communitybuilders.ellisdon.com. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squahomish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am one of your hosts, Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door. And as always, I am joined by the fantastical, I am coining that phrase, I used it last time, I like it, <laughs> Stefania. Steph, how are you? Oh, I'm doing, you know, pretty well, actually. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for your honesty. I thought you were going to say fantastic. And I know there's a lot <laughs> happening right now uh, in your world. So thanks for staying optimistic. Hey, I'm good. It's pretty dreary in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada right now. We're on our second day of rain. Uh, but hey, you know, when, every time it rains, I always think of a quote that a person experiencing homelessness uh, gave us during a point of time count a, while, a few years back when uh, we, were, we were talking with him and we said, oh, hey, do you have a sleeping bag? He said, yeah, I've got four of them. They're all soaked. And, and really, you know, what he was saying is, you know, of all the elements, snow and rain, just that dampness and cold, I mean, with nowhere to dry your clothes, once it happens once, you're kind of out of luck, right? And put a different perspective uh, on things. So I might complain about it being a little dreary, but it's so much worse for our most vulnerable. Absolutely. It's, and that's, that's something that we really experience out here on the West Coast, um, in Vancouver, particularly in the downtown east side, uh, where especially downtown east side, where there really are no trees, there really aren't enough areas. The, the few parks that they do have are, have trees, you know, sparingly. So, and we have very, very wet winters, and we're in for a very wet winter. So that's when warming shelters are critical for that emergency situation for folks to go get in from the cold. But really, I think housing at the end of the day is the number one thing that folks need somewhere meaningful for them to go, which I feel like leads us really well and nicely into you introducing our guest today. Absolutely. I'm so pumped about today's guest. I mean, uh, when you talk about, quite often when you talk about who's uh, ending homelessness, which countries are closest to it, who's doing great work around the world, uh, Finland always pops up, right? Um, 
And so the rest of the world is looking to Finland for answers and from uh, to, to learn from all the wonderful things that, that they have done. Finland, in the case we just talked about, was not looking for a better sleeping bag. They were looking for housing and they, they made a switch way back. We're going to talk about that today. And today we are so fortunate to have Ayua Kakinen with us. He's the chief executive of the Y Foundation uh, in Finland. And, and so he's an experienced and passionate developer of innovative housing solutions to homeless people and social housing. Ayua uh, is chief executive of the Y Foundation, the biggest Finnish NGO providing housing for homeless people and social housing with a housing stock of 18,000 flats and growing before he has worked in public administration in the city of Helsinki and as a CEO of Social Development Limited, a company devoted to developing social and health services for cities and municipalities. He has also worked as a program leader of a national program to end long-term homelessness and as a researcher and a consultant. He is internationally known as an advocate of Housing First policy. In short, you are is uh, a force to be reckoned with uh, in this sector around the world. And he has done so much. He continues to do so much. Juha, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael and Steph Stephanie. And glad to be back here again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I actually, you know, really remember um, you uh, at, uh, I think it was CAH 18. Uh, out in um, Hamilton and it was so Hamilton, great to hear you yes. speak then yeah yes. it was so great yeah. to hear you speak then and it's so lovely to have you on the podcast today um, so our first question for you is is sort of a first question that we ask all of our guests now who uh, are, are kind enough to join us on the show and that question is what does home mean to you well home for me is a safe place but it's also a very emotional place so for home Home means also for me the place where I meet my loved ones. And actually at the moment I'm in my official home, but I'm alone here and my wife is our summer place. We are lucky to have this kind of place in, in Finland as quite many Finns have. And nowadays it's more our real home. So <laughs> I'm in the official home but my actual home where I feel most at home is, is another place where my wife is at the moment. So I'm waiting for waiting for to get there <laughs> as soon as possible when the weekend comes. It's so powerful what you're saying. And, you know, we, quite often we think of home, we think of family. Family, home is where family is. Home is where love is and safety is. So thank you so much uh, for that. You know, we've been hearing about Housing First for years now. Uh, and often it's been called a principle, a service model, or really a philosophy. Uh, in your own words, tell us what is Housing First? Well, Actually, Housing First can be all of those things you, you mentioned. But for me, it's, it's basically, or the most important thing is that it, it's, it's of course a philosophy. But it has some, when you implement Housing First in, in the real, real world, of course it has some definite form. So, uh, as, as you know, Housing First originally was developed by Dr. Sam Chamberis. I could say a friend of mine, we have met several times and in New York in, in 1990s. Uh, but what we did in Finland, we call it also housing first, but 
when we developed our concept of housing first we didn't quite know that there already existed a housing first so when we made a, a, a paper that was later called uh, uh, that was the starting point for for a national program we named it the concept housing first and in, in Finnish Asunto Ensin and we were very happy for this concept because it describes so well what we aim to do and then only later Google re revealed to us that housing first already existed but the philosophy is, is so similar and the basic principles are similar that I don't see any any great problem it's more an academic discussion what are the differences between these concepts but for us Housing first means that housing a home of your own is the foundation for, for your living. So this is the only thing that's common to all homeless people, that people are experiencing homelessness, that they lack a home. They don't have a safe place they, they could call a home. So let's start by providing home, a re rental flat, apartment of your own with your own rental contract, and then of course the support if you need it and and these two things are the minimum re requirement for for what we call housing first it's a foundation for your living it's a it should be a basic human right that you you have a place you can call call your home uh, absolutely and i think i mean it it's a great brand. In housing first means exactly that. Let's start with that as the foundation. And, and listen, you know, you've done a great job with that. Finland's quite known for its amazing work with housing first. I know it hasn't always been easy um, and it always hasn't been that way. Can you talk to us about how homelessness looked in Finland before housing first? Well, I could say that there has been two different phases in, in the development of reduction of homelessness in, in Finland. We started to count homelessness in, in 1987. That was the first national count we had on homelessness and we have done it yearly after that. And already 10 national programs were started to reduce homelessness. But the real turning point was in, in, in 2008 when we decided to concentrate on, on the on long-term homelessness. People experiencing homelessness who have several so severe social and health issues and who need a lot of support. Basically people uh, sleeping rough or living in temporary accommodation in shelters and, and, and hostels. And that was probably the, the, the really the big, big thing because we adopted housing first as a systemic model it was not a single project in, a, in an individual city. It was right from the start. Uh, the idea was that this should be the national model and national policy. And, and I think that this has been the, the real turning point. And after that, since 2008, long-term homelessness has dropped by 65% and the total homelessness by around almost, almost half during this time and at the moment we have around 4,300 single homeless persons and as you may know in our statistics 
we have a very wide definition of homelessness. So it includes also people living temporarily with friends and relatives, which are around two thirds of the all, all homeless people. So we are very close <laughs> to, to reach the functional zero of homelessness. And, and actually uh, our present government has decided that we should half the existing homelessness by 23 and end it completely, absolutely by 27. And actually the, the new mayor in, in Helsinki has, has made it even a better promise because they have decided in Helsinki that homelessness should be ended by 25. So this is going to be an interesting challenge, but, but I think that it's, it's possible and, 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 and realistic because we have shown that it's really, it's not a natural law that you have homelessness. It's an, it's a social issue that you can do something and, but it demands a very wide collaboration between different actors, state, municipalities, cities, NGOs, but it's possible. And I think that that's the only, only call that the homeless, homelessness policy should have to end homelessness, not to manage it. And as long as you have shelters and hostels as the, as the main option for homeless, homeless people living in homelessness, uh, you can't get the best out of housing first concepts like housing first. And there's a real risk that housing first remains as only one option among others, as, as we think that it should be the foundation of the, of the policy to, to end homelessness. Oh, that was a long answer, but I hope you got, got the main, main idea that it's an issue that you can do something. We know how to do it. And, and as I have understood uh, from some recent discussions with, with Canadian colleagues that in, in Canada, you know exactly what should be done, but it's more an implementation problem because of, of it's a cross-sectoral issue. But I think that even that's possible to, to overcome if you have enough political will to do that. Absolutely. And I, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's really that political will um, and boldness, I think. Uh, and, I, you know, compared to where Canada is at right now, I would say what you listed as for Finland and Helsinki's goals are, are much bolder and really exciting. Uh, and, you know, a lot of our listeners would know that uh, already probably know that Finland is a model for other countries around housing first. And, you know, you tell us what it was like before uh, you're giving us, you know, some of the incredible accomplishments. But can you tell us a little bit about the journey to create uh, and sort of establish housing first as that model in Finland? Well, there, there had been already a lot of progress in, in reducing homelessness before housing first was adopted as a, as a national model. But we could see that the development, it was becoming slower and there was a real risk, risk that homelessness should start to, to rise again. And at that phase, we evaluated the policies that we had had before. And of course, we, we came to the conclusion that we, we have a very traditional staircase model in, in Finland. And it's not helping people who have been experiencing homelessness for, for a longer time, because the longer you stay homeless in homelessness, the more severe the issues you are facing, facing become. And for that reason, we, 
decided completely to change the the policy. Uh, I had been working in the in the sector in the in the 1980s, and I remember from that time that in Helsinki we had, I think, around 2,000 bed places in shelters and hostels, and each winter it was hard job to find emergency accommodation. They were they were not very nice places that we could provide us as emergency accommodation for for homeless people at at that time. So the the question that stuck to my mind at that time was that if you have something as a temporary solution, it 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 has a great tendency to become more or less permanent. So I was, for example, in charge of building one one uh, hostel or or shelter for for homeless homeless men and we thought it, it's very progressive it was in 85 around yeah, it had 40 rooms where in each room there were only two men and that was a real luxury there were only two men in the same room and they had a refrigerator which was a luxury they could keep their food foodware there but it was meant to be only a temporary solution, but it stayed as temporary for over 20 years. And, and the last years, it was the worst place for homeless people that they could imagine. So I think that what we managed to do was to change the, the thinking thinking completely. And, and, and there were several people who had seen that this kind of staircase model is, is not working. and, and we should have something completely different. My foundation where I work was already established already in 85. And it was a kind of innovation because the, the founding members were the four biggest cities and then NGOs like the Red, Finnish Red Cross, Finnish Church, etc. And the big idea with the Vive Foundation was that we should start buying apartments from the private market to be used as rental flats for home, homeless people. And this is actually one of the cornerstones of, of the housing first idea that you have scattered housing. So my foundation had been doing that for quite a while already before we we started housing first as a national policy. And already there were some other, for example, the Helsinki Diagonis Institute and the non-fixed non abode association of the homeless people who had some supported housing units that were already working on, on, on the model. So we had some some pilots and some ideas how it how it would look in, in, in the in the practice. But of course it's always when you do something completely different uh, or new thing, uh, you may achieve some of the goals you think, but also something unintentional happens. But but I think that we have been lucky in the sense that we have been able to cope with a much smaller amount of emergency accommodation at, at, at the moment than, than we used to have years ago. But of course, there's also one thing I think it's important to, to see that, that the profile of homelessness seems to be changing and it has changed in the, in the last 10 years. So there are now more younger, younger people, and and young people with also 
serious problems with drugs and that's that's providing a new challenge for the for the homelessness services to cope with with these issues also and i think that it's important to underline also that uh, housing first with permanent housing and support it doesn't compensate or replace the need for rehabilitation and treatment if there's that kind of need but of course permanent housing provides the platform to or foundation to to make it possible to cope with these other issues yeah absolutely yeah the overdose crisis and the you know drug poisoning crisis is a is impacting um, our services as well and, and trying to navigate um, what partnerships need to be made with you know mm-hmm. health and um, sort of that interconnectedness with interconnectedness with mental health um, is something that we're working through right now as well. Um, and, you know, in thinking about wh- where you folks are and, and sort of the progress that's been made in the last 10 years plus, can you talk to us a little bit or share any of perhaps the, any opposition that came up or challenges that came up along the way and how you overcame them to, to get to where you folks are now? Well, of course, there, there was some resistance or opposition, but I think that it was amazing. It was quite amazing that there was not much of that. And of course, one reason is that there was so strong political will behind this, this launching of, of Housing First. It was a government's program which, with, with a wide political <laughs> support. So it's not easy to oppose that kind of thing. But of course, I, I could say that they were on individual level, there were social workers who were reluctant to, to, to get the new idea because it also changes the, the, the power balance between a social worker and a, and a client. This housing first model, you have to build a trust on, on other premises than in, in, the, in the old way of, of working in the, in the old, old context. And of course, there was in the administration some people. For example, when we had in the national program this state grant to hire new support workers, so there were some people in the ministries who said that this is very old-fashioned. So, so what if it's old-fashioned, but if it works? Because we had earmarked money to provide for for the cities so that they could hire new new personnel, and that was needed at at that 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 time and nowadays it's more on the responsibility of the municipalities to take care of the financing of the support services but at that time it was the financial incentive also that the municipalities needed so uh, it was I, I think that an important thing was to overcome the resistance or the opposition was that so many things were happening at almost at the same time. There were several supported housing units that were under construction or renovations were going on that people could see that things are really changing and, and it created a psychological effect also that this is now now the new thing. and. This is the way we are going in, in the future. So nowadays, I think that there are a lot of younger 
people working in the sector who have not experienced anything else than the, the housing first model and they, they certainly don't want to return in the, in the old system, the ancient one. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project, or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. You certainly, ha- and it certainly is a movement. And I think that's what, that's what I hear you saying is you've created this movement, you've got momentum, people saw the results, they were happy. Now you touched on it a little bit. I think I think part of the pushback at first around housing first, people thought, okay, we put them in housing, we walk away, job done. Uh, we all know that absolutely it's housing first with supports around it, including, of course, as you mentioned, you know, uh, around sometimes you need some rehabilitation, you need some supports, um, including mental health supports. So in your mind, how important are the mental health supports once an individual is settled in their home? Uh, of course, they are important, but they are only part of the support. I, I think that I think that the people who have mental health issues uh, because of the deinstitutionalization that was started already in the 1980s, 1990s. Already then was created a system of, of service housing for, for people with mental health issues. So it has been more, more a problem for people who have substance abuse problems or who have dial diagnosis who have both mental health issues and substance abuse problems because they 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 don't always get the services that they would need so this is this is part of the support but but i i have seen or understand support in a, in a wider context also so i think that an important element of the support is of also economic support because we have the idea, which is a little bit different in our housing first, that when you are a tenant, you have the same rights and obligations as everybody else in the same situation. So you are supposed to pay the rent. And if you don't have any income, you can get the general housing benefit and social welfare benefit. So this is also, I think, an element of the support. Basically, the, our support model is more, I would call it intensive case management where we also rely very much on the existing social and health services. And I, and I also think that what we have been trying to do in, in the recent years and also some other organizations like Salvation Army that we provide employment services for, for our tenants. And, and in some cases, this is an extremely important form of support, even the can be even the most important form of support that if you have job opportunities that you can get your own money and and it's it's so important also for your self-esteem if you you can get that kind of opportunities to be included in in, in the society so there's a wide variety of support that's needed and and that can be very very relevant and also 
our experience is that in these supported housing units where you have, for example, 33 apartments in the same building and then you have some common, common facilities, the community can also be a form of support. And the, the informal support you can get from, from the other other tenants living in the same building. So I see it important thing that the support is flexible and there are different ways how you can organize it. But the, the important thing is that you get what you need. That's right. And, it's, and the supports look different to everyone. I would add actually to that as well, what we found uh, through my organization, Blue Doors, when you uh, get people into housing is also that, and you touched on this a little bit, I think with other tenants, but that uh, community connectiveness as well, right? If I'm part of this community, I feel like, because often what we found is people um, in the shelter system, they've built a little bit of a family, they've got some connectedness, you yeah. move them into housing, they lose that. Uh, and so they miss that. So part of what our housing workers do is, is very much try and get them connected where they feel like they're part of that community and, and they belong. Now, now you, know, you are, um, I'm going to use a movie reference here right now. You are uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. You're standing at the front of the boat. You're king of the world around being so close as a country to ending homelessness. That's a lot of pressure, but you're doing it well. And I know you have a lot of work to do. You're not there yet, but some really uh, amazing uh, goal set that you were telling us about. Now, I'm sure you feel a lot of calls and emails from others eager to learn uh, and duplicate it. What do you suggest to other cities and countries about how they approach homelessness and how they can rethink their approach? And, and you know, is attitude a big part of that? Well, first of all, I would like to say that it's sometimes a little bit embarrassing, all the, all the emails and requests, because this really is not a one man so there are so many people working in in to reach these goals and and because there are so many people working together i think that that gives me confidence that we can reach the goals that we have set for for us well i think that uh, first of all it's possible if if you work in a in a quite pragmatic way so for for us, when, when we see this kind of issue, we start to think about if you want to end homelessness, what it requires, how many apartments should we have? And what are the ways how we could get those apartments? Because so, so many times I have heard colleagues from different countries say that, yes, of course, we would upscale housing first, but we don't have the housing. So how can you have housing first without having the housing first? So this is this is the the quite crucial thing, but I think that uh, of course the, the political will is the key issue, and we have been lucky in the sense that since 2008 we have had eight different governments uh, with coalition governments. We always have coalition governments because there's not a single party that would rule on its own. So there have been three parties and, and six parties and so on. But if you look at the parties that are represented in our parliament at the moment, all these parties at some point have been in the government deciding that we should continue this this policy based on housing first to, to end, end homelessness. So this, if you can create that kind of 
political momentum of course that's 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 hugely powerful thing thing to have and of course i think that the main change of attitude is that after all homelessness is a this is this, this may sound sound a little strange but i would say that homelessness is a still compared to many other issues we are facing in the near future it's a small scale scale issue we, we have the resources in in all the western countries to to solve this issue so it's difficult for me to understand why it's taking so long and sometimes i also get the feeling that that uh, people working in the in, in the sector should also look at the mirror and and we have to be also critical to to the way we work because some so many times i can see people's faces working in the sector that they don't believe that it's possible to end homelessness how can you work on this sector if you don't believe that it's possible to end homelessness the only thing is that that bothers me that why it's taking so long even in finland we should reach the absolute zero much more rapidly than, than it's happening at the moment. Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you, um, you know, uh, in our sector in particular and, and sort of outside of it, you know, what is taking so long? We have the resources, we can make it happen. Um, you know, and, and these are folks, the folks that we're serving are running out of time, as we know, day to day, uh, living without a home, living without a community, living without support, um, so they can, you know, live a life in a safe place. So, so given the goals that you've set out for us, you know, 2023, I think 2025, and I think 2027 was, was the third date, um, for, between Finland and Helsinki. So what are some of the next steps, uh, that, that you're looking at to, to, you know, reach those goals Are you and, and the plethora of people behind you that are making this happen? <laughs> Well, well, there there are clear ideas what's needed. Actually, we did a, with a with the facilitation of a of a group of researchers from the Tampere University. We had around over thirty people collected, and we tried to figure out what kind of what what would be the housing housing first two point point zero. So what, what would be the next phase? And there we identify the critical points that, that we have to develop in, in our system. And basically it's, it's very much a question about getting the, the optimal support that each individual, individual needs. For example, there is this question about procurement processes in, in, the, in the cities. They are too often too, too rigid, so it can be the support can be classified according to how many hours you give support. But the problem in real life is, of course, that the support needs doesn't necessarily arise at the same time when the, the hours of support are delivered. So for, for that reason, we have to have a more, more innovative ideas about providing floating support and, and 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 pooling resources resources for for support and i think that this is this is one of the major issues the other one is of course the providing the housing and in in the finnish model 
the affordable social housing has played an, an important role, both preventing homelessness, so it has been an element of structural prevention to the level of affordable social housing has made it possible that we don't actually have family homelessness in Finland. And, and that share, which at the moment in new housing areas in the, in the big cities is uh, at least 25% in each new housing area should be affordable social housing. That's going to be raised up till 30. And the ultimate goal is to have 35% of affordable social housing in the, in the big cities. And this, of course, will help quite a lot because it provides the necessary housing housing that's needed. And still, I think we have some domestic issues to solve, but I don't want to, sp to spoil <laughs> things by saying that that we have we have some some domestic problems, but we have a culture of collaboration, and I'm, I'm confident that we can solve solve them. So, for example, we will increase the housing advisory services to prevent people dropping into homelessness. Because after all, housing first is great, but even greater is that we have a well-functioning prevention of homelessness, so that we can avoid people dropping into into homelessness. And and of course, I think that housing uh, it's important that you have legislation but legislation is not always enough and i see that uh, housing and and getting housing for people living in homelessness it's a it's it's both a it's an ethical question it's it it has ethical justification and and i i, I consider it as a moral obligation that we have to provide decent housing conditions for 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 all people living in finland yeah, I definitely agree that, that everyone has a right to housing, and that's definitely a guiding light in the work and, and should be uh, informing our decisions and, and our attitudes, uh, as well as believing that it's possible to end. So um, given all this incredible work that you folks are doing, where can folks go to learn more about the Y Foundation or what's happening in Finland? Well, the one very good place to start is is from our website so there's an english part where we have a couple of publications there's a book called home of your own which tells the story in, in english you can it's you can f down, download it for free and there's also an essay collection homelessness in 2030 where we even have some contributions from canada our good friends stephen gates has written a an article there also. Actually, we have a lot of collaboration with, with also colleagues in Canada. Stephen Gates and Melanie Redman are, are, are experts also in the Housing First Europe Hub, which we have established together with, with FEANSA, the European Organization for, for homeless, homeless Sector. So there's a lot of going on, and I think that th there is still a very positive feeling that housing first can be upscaled and 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 it can provide a an important element in in ending homelessness in, in most of the countries
Well, yeah, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Now, I know you are doing the lecture for the Odette uh, Foundation, and that's coming up, I believe, on, is it November 2nd? Yes, November 2nd, yes. That's, good. that's awesome. So people will put a link uh, to that so people can attend and, and listen uh, to you, you chat some more and as well answer some questions. We so appreciate you coming on today. Um, and uh, thank you for all the work you do. I love the fact that you're leading the way, but you're saying, hey, not fast enough. Let's move this forward. Um, no excuses. And, and uh, you know what? I think more of us should have that attitude and we'll, we'll get there quicker. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be with you. Well, Steph, uh, such a great guest. I made a movie reference to uh, the Titanic, uh, which I was thinking in retrospect, you know, if that crashes. And in this case, listen, he's not standing at the front of the boat. He's steering the boat and in a good direction, clear of any icebergs. Uh, I love the fact that uh, he, he's getting almost annoyed that it's taking too long. Uh, what a great guest. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's interesting to hear what's next for them, too. And, you know, like I was saying, um, when we were chatting with him, uh, thinking back to Hamilton, the National Conference uh, back in 2018, and I, I joined his session and I had pitched, um, you know, his session to a, rep a reporter and they were just like typing away and capturing everything he was saying. They had a wonderful interview with him afterward. And the story that came out was amazing because I think it what the achievements in Finland at that point hadn't quite entered mainstream knowledge in Canada that, hey, there's this country out there that is, you know, essentially ending homelessness is super close to it. Their numbers are incredible. You know, I know they're a smaller country, but it, it but the, you know, the model is there, getting that political will, getting the housing set up. And I loved what he said about, you know, how can you do housing first without the housing first I was like oh my god that's a headline if I ever heard one in my life so I think it was just great to hear from Yuha again and even just a couple years later how much farther they've come yeah great to see government setting like I think you know our government set some ambitious targets as have uh, our organizations but wow in the next couple of years they're talking about 2025 you know absolutely ending homelessness which is amazing and listen if Yuha's involved it's going to happen well, as always, great guests on the way home. Thank you so much for joining us, Steph. We'll see you next time. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. 
produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.